Welcome to Barah Ministries, an intimate local Christian church with worldwide impact. My name is Pastor Rory Clark. Welcome to this Bible lesson. Who is Jesus Christ? At Barah Ministries, we know this truth, that Jesus Christ is God. Titus, chapter 2, verses 13 and 14 say this. We believers in Christ are looking for the blessed hope with absolute confidence looking for the appearing of the glory of our great God, who is our Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a sin substitute for us to redeem us. That means to purchase us from the slave market of sin, to redeem us from sovereignty to every lawless deed, every sin you've ever committed, past, present, and future, was credited to his account and judged so that you wouldn't have to pay the price for that. Whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, your sins are paid in God's eyes. And to purify, why did he do it? He did it to purify for himself a people, for his very own possession, a people who are eager to do good deeds. As believers in Christ, we know that God cleanses us, and we gladly and voluntarily bring our conduct into conformity with his will. And why does Barah Ministries exist? At Barah Ministries, we introduce people to the Lord. We make a difference by teaching the Word of God verse by verse from the Lord's perspective and not from man's perspective. You guys hear that every week. Does it mean anything to you? Because that is a huge deal. And when you go listening to other pastors, and I was just talking uh, recently about the idea that, you know, we bring a lot of spiritual material or spiritual material into our existence. You know, we, we study with Barah Ministries, but we got this book and that book and this book and that book, all, all these different voices coming at our heads. And we think that doesn't have an effect. That's not, that's not focused. And when you think about the way Satan runs things, he does things the same way. In Roman Catholicism, there's the Bible. And there's the catechism of the Catholic Church that splits your focus. And then in the Bible, he adds additional books. You know, Maccabees, and I don't even know all the names of their goofy extra books. Well, why is that? Oh, well, why can't the book of Judas be in there? What is it? Ah, we got a little audio problem. Should I switch microphones?
Check, check, check. Check, check, check. Yeah, good. Check, check, check. That sounds like it. All right. So I'll just back up a little bit and do the Titus verses again. We ready to go? We're still rolling video-wise? Okay, good. So I'll just back up and do the Titus verses. We believers in Christ are looking for the blessed hope with absolute confidence. What is the blessed hope? We're looking for the appearing of the glory of our great God, who is our Savior, Christ Jesus. Titus 2.14, who gave himself as a sin substitute for us to redeem us. He purchased us from the slave market of sin. He purchased us from sovereignty to sin. Every sin we've ever committed, past, present, and future, was imputed to him. What does that mean? Credited to his account and judged so that he would purify for himself a people for his very own possession, a people who are eager to do good deeds. And I think what I was talking about is how, you know, in Roman Catholicism, they split your focus. You know, a lot of people here study with broad ministries. They're bringing in all these other elements that they think are spiritual. They are different voices sending different messages into the head. I used to study with three different pastors when I was in systematic theology, and I'll tell you exactly what it did. It short-circuited my brain because they were all going in a different direction, and none of it was coherent. And so we do these things that are apparently innocuous, but they're not innocuous. Satan instigates this. So in Roman Catholicism, we had the Bible, we had the Catechism of the Catholic Church, the two books saying opposite things. That's instantly a split focus. And then they're adding books to the Bible, Maccabees and all these other goofy books. And then they start asking you questions. Well, why not the gospel according to Judas? Well, why not the gospel according to Thomas? Why is it just the gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? Well, mainly because those books have proved themselves to be canonical. Because there is a requirement for a book to call itself part of the Bible. And it has to meet a whole series of criteria that were developed by an unbeliever. And one of those criteria is internal consistency. There can't be any contradictions between one part of the book and another part of the book. And in every single added book, in any religion, there is always a series of inconsistencies. The Mormons, another group that's my favorite whipping people, they have four books. They got the Bible, which they never open. They got the uh, Doctrines and Covenants. They got the Book of Mormon. And they've got pearls of great price, and they contradict each other. The Bible doesn't. Oh, well, the Bible has a lot of contradictions. Show me. I had a Jehovah's Witness tell me one time. I'll show you the contradiction. It says here, nothing is impossible with God. Got it. It is impossible for God to lie. Get out of my house. You're insane. And see, that's what people who don't understand the Bible do. They don't read the context. They take it out of context to make their stupid points. All right? So you have to be careful about this stuff. You have to be careful what you let into your ears. Because it affects you. That's why I don't listen to the news. You know, I used to be really scared not to watch the news. And then all of a sudden one of my friends said, well, if anything major happens, somebody will call you. 
That's a really good point. I got 50 phone calls at 9-11. I didn't know 9-11 happened until I got 50 phone calls from people who were laughing at me being a pastor, asking me if this was the end of the world. To which I said, absolutely, send me all your money. It's the end of the world. You won't need the money. Send it to me. So you need to be careful what you let into your head. God himself commands that we study the Word of God, and He offers a reward when we do. He exhorts us in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 and 2 this way, My sons, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my mandates. Proverbs 3, 2, For my words will add length to your days and years to your life and the peace of God to your soul. How about that? You study the Word of God and the length of your days is extended. You study the Word of God, and the length of your years is extended. Now, if I tell you that, you shouldn't believe it. I have no power whatsoever to extend your days or your years. But if God tells you that, the sovereign God of the universe tells you that, you better believe it, because He always keeps His promise. Barah Ministries is provided by God for the benefit of unbelievers to give them the gospel message, which introduces them to the good news concerning Jesus Christ's salvation offer. And once they hear the good news, they have a chance to say two words, yes or no. It's that simple. The Lord's arms are wide open to unbelieving ones. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says this, For the compensation paid for your sin is the second death in the lake of fire. All of us are born physically alive and spiritually dead. If you are born spiritually dead and you close your eyes in this life spiritually dead, you are going to the lake of fire, period. Why are you going? Because you chose to. Because God will get you the gospel message around a thousand times and you have a chance a thousand times to say yes to it or no to it. Completely your deal. But Satan lies to you. He says, no, God's coming down on you. God doesn't like you. He's judging you. And all the other stupid stuff that human beings like making up. That's not what's going on at all. It is not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to a change of mind about having a relationship with Christ. The compensation paid for your sin, the sin, Adam's sin, that was imputed to you at the moment of physical birth, is the second death in the lake of fire. But the free and gracious gift of God the Father is the resurrection life, eternal life, which you get instantly at the moment of salvation, and you have no idea what that means. The resurrection life, in union with Christ Jesus our Lord, for whosoever believes in Him, available to all. Amen? Amen. Available to everyone. Now, when we are unbelievers... God says, I want you. And by the way, he knows you don't go looking for him. So he goes looking for you. Amen? Amen. Now, Barah Ministries is provided by God for the benefit of Christians as well. For those who want a deep, intimate, and personal relationship with the Lord through the study of his word. The Lord offers an analogy to believers in Christ in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. He says, Behold... I, the Lord Jesus Christ, stand at the door of your soul, and I keep on knocking. 
And if anyone hears my voice, that's a third class condition. If maybe you will and maybe you won't, you have a choice. If anyone hears my voice through the word of God and opens the door, I will rush in to dine with him and he will dine with me. The indwelling Trinity is always ready, always willing to dine with you, to have fellowship with you, and to provide you with everything you need to cope with all the problems that you're having in this world. I see my problems as things that sit in a big bowl. And the bowl is on fire. I'll tell you more about that later. Details at 10. But just imagine that. Your life is that way too. It's a big bowl with a bunch of your problems in it. And your problems are on fire. So we'll talk about that. To believers in Christ, God says, I got you. What does he say to unbelievers? I want you. What does he say to believers? I got you. Where does he got you? He got you in the palm of his hand. He's got you in the palm of his righteous right hand, and no one will snatch you out of his hand. Amen? Amen. That's just that. That's why we study the word of God, to, sh- to allow God's truth to shape our reality instead of letting the world's lies shape our reality. And God warns us, In 1 John 2, verse 15, Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, third class condition, if, maybe you will, maybe you won't, you've got a choice. If anyone loves the world, the love of God the Father is absolutely not in him. That's the Greek word, ook. It means not no way, not no how, right out of uh, Wizard of Oz. Don't get teary-eyed, June, but if you do, I got Kleenex for you here. If you need some Kleenex. Ah, the Wizard of Oz. Kansas. Toto, too. Ah. (laughs) Absolutely not. No way, not no how. Isn't that amazing how clear God is about things? Now, God has an enemy. Believers in Christ, by the way, are incapable of loving the world. We've already made our choice. We love the Lord. We don't love the world. Those are polar opposites. And even if we go dipping our toe in the world, which we do all the time, we still don't love the world. We're just committing adultery, spiritual adultery, by tipping our toes in the world. Now, God has an enemy, Satan, whom God made the ruler of this world. We live on planet Earth, and this is Satan's kingdom. In John chapter 12, verse 31, the Lord says, Now judgment is upon this world. Now the ruler of this world, Satan, will be cast out. He will be dethroned at a future time. Satan is perfect, gorgeous, well-dressed, a former officer angel, and a brilliant genius, the most brilliant creature ever to come from the hand of God. He blinds the mind of unbelievers so they don't get to know God and so they don't see the power of the gospel message. And he interferes with the believer's chance to become intimate with God through the study of the word by distracting us to meaningless pursuits. What does he do with unbelievers? He makes them speculate. Oh, but yeah, but what if? Oh, but it could be this way. Oh, but what if? And they never answer the questions. They just keep asking these inane questions, but they never answer the question. Well, well, what about the little kids in the middle of Africa? Uh, This Jesus Christ stuff is all well and good for here in America, but what about the little kids in the middle of Africa? Great question. 
what's going on in the middle of Africa? Okay, go to the map. Where is the middle of Africa? There are probably about five countries right in the middle of Africa. Okay, find somebody who's from that country and ask them, have you ever heard of Jesus Christ? And what will they tell you? Same thing the lady who was from the middle of Africa told me when I was sitting next to her on an American Airlines flight when I asked her the stupid question. She said, she looked at me with almost with contempt, right? She said, sir, there is more evangelism going on in the middle of Africa than there is in the whole United States. We know so much more about Jesus than you do. Like, all right, don't get cocky now. Don't make me take this coat off. I'll knock you out. You're talking about my country up in here. <laughs> but it's true. It's true. And who sponsors all of that missionary activity in the middle of Africa? The United States. Who pays for all that missionary activity in the United States? Or in the middle of Africa? The United States. Why? Because we send over these little, you know, women who are, oh, poor little people. I want to help them. You know, it's the same type of people who come to my house. <laughs> Monica is the same type of people who come to my house. I got this flower pot outside my house, and there was a gecko caught in the flower pot. And so I said, well, that's, that's too bad for him. You know, I started singing The Lion King, right? Circle of life. <laughs> you know, she goes in my house. Like, you don't, you don't just walk in my house. She goes in my house, gets a tile, and puts it there so the gecko can crawl up the tile and get out of the flower pot. Those are the people we're sending to the middle of Africa. People who are concerned, that who come to my house and they say, Damn, what's that mark on your window? I don't know, man. I think a bird flew into your window. Hit, hit, hit the head on the window. Yeah, I don't care. I, yeah, I've seen birds hit the, hit the window and fall down, but it, it's an it's a easy problem. The cats come and get them later. Oh, no, I think you ought to put strips. <laughs> I think you ought to put strips on your window so the birds can see the glass. I don't give a damn about no birds <laughs> except the one I ate yesterday. <laughs> the chicken from Joe's. Like, <laughs> I don't get it, but I do know, <laughs> but I do know this. I do know that our Almighty God is sending those caring people who care on a level that I don't right into the middle of Africa to sleep in tents and to even <laughs> and to evangelize to these people so that they can hear about Jesus. Amen. <laughs> Can I get an amen? I am sweating. I am sweating right now. This is, <laughs> this is the most fun I've had in a really long time. So, look, Satan interferes with us by distracting us to meaningless pursuits. And if not for God's protective power, every one of us would be completely defenseless against him. The spiritual life is warfare. And your soul is the battleground. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, believers in Christ are reminded that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against human beings. It's not a physical struggle. Our struggle is spiritual against the rulers, against the powers of this dark world, 
against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. It's against the spiritual mafia who has one goal and one goal only, to ruin us. Many believers in Christ, through Satan's encouragement, have abandoned their spiritual lives in favor of a superficial, counterfeit spiritual life. They glory in the pain and in the failures of other believers. In fact, they, are infl- they enjoy inflicting pain on people who are children of the living God, fellow believers, fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, and these pseudo-victories that they get from hurting people are always short-lived. You cannot defeat someone who already has the victory. Christians won, Satan's nothing, you can't change the record. Amen? Amen. As believers in Christ, we are not fighting for the victory in spiritual warfare. We're operating from the victory, victorious ground. We can't be defeated. And those of us in union with Christ have the victory over Satan through our Lord, who has overcome the world. James chapter 4, verse 7 says this, Believers in Christ, submit yourselves to God by obeying him. Resist the devil by standing fast on your victorious ground, and he will flee from you. What he's trying to do always is to lure you off of victorious ground. Satan is powerless against our God. Thus, he is powerless against us when we use divine power to overcome him. Believers in Christ are divinely powerful because we're in union with the indwelling Trinity, and this divine power enables us to tear down fortresses raised up against God and against the knowledge of God because we take every thought captive to Christ and we rest in him. Today's Bible lesson, be grateful for all of God's gifts. Be grateful for all of God's gifts. We love crafting a do-it-yourself lifestyle as human beings. Inevitably, this ends in destruction because we're not good enough to sustain such a lifestyle. James chapter 1, verse 17 says this, Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from God the Father of the heavenly lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. God never changes. He is immutable. God has a lifestyle for all of us if we're willing to accept perfection. I don't believe you heard me. So I'm going to repeat that. God has a lifestyle for all of us, each of us, individually, if we are willing to accept perfection. But most of us aren't willing to accept perfection, so we settle for imperfection. In today's lesson, we'll take a look at the lifestyle God wants for us, and we'll contrast it to the lifestyle we want for ourselves. All right. That's the introduction. Let's have some music. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 16, believers in Christ are encouraged from now on to recognize no one according to the flesh. We don't evaluate others because of their flaws. Instead, we remember, as Mercy Me reminds us, that God makes all of his believers flawless. There's got to be more than going back and forth From doing right to doing wrong Cause we were taught that's who we are Come on, get in line right behind me You along with everybody Thinking is worth and what you do 
Looking at a flawless person, isn't that awesome? 
<laughs> I am flawless because of the cross. I'm so happy about that. Let us pray. We're grateful, Heavenly Father, for the privilege of studying your absolute truth, the Word of God. Father, thank you for changing our lives, one time for all time, by giving us your Son as our Savior. Thank you for always being on our side, even when the people around us choose to abandon us. Thank you for your word, which comforts us in every situation, during times when things are going well, and especially in times when they are not. Thank you for giving us a way to talk to you, prayer, and thank you for letting us slam our burdens on your almighty back so that we don't have to carry them. Help us to relax in the sphere of your unconditional love, your grace, and your forgiveness, and show us how to love our enemies the same way you do. We ask this through the power of God, the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, say it with me. Amen. Amen. Today's Bible lesson, be grateful for all of God's gifts. Well, God has parked us in Colossians chapter 1, and specifically in this section, Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 to 12. And as we reflect on these verses, we ask ourselves, how can I do these things that God wants me to do? That's what I want you to reflect on as we listen to these verses. How can I do these things which God wants me to do? So let's think about it. Paul is praying for the Colossian believers and for all believers. Here's what he has to say. For this reason also, since the day we heard the report of your faith, we have not stopped praying in intercession for all of you Colossian believers and for all believers. And we have not stopped asking in intercession that all of you may be filled by God with the knowledge of God the Father's will, with all the spiritual wisdom and understanding that God the Holy Spirit gives. Colossians 1.10. So that, anytime you see so that in the Bible, God is stating a purpose. You just heard something, now let me tell you what the purpose of it is. So that all of you will have a lifestyle filled with purpose. And that's called the Christian way of living. When you're an unbeliever, you're being invited to the Christian way of life. When you become a believer in Christ, you're resident in the Christian way of living. And what does God want us to do? He wants us to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord so as to please Him in all respects. Do you? Do you walk in a manner worthy of the Lord? Do you please Him in all respects? Ooh, that's got to get you biting on your nails. You don't need a manicure now because you're going to bite your own nails off. I don't think I do that. Yeah, you know you don't do it. You know you don't do it. If you commit sins, you don't do it. You do not walk in the manner worthy of the Lord when you commit sins. You do not please him in that little word. What is it? All. I didn't hear you. All respects. He didn't say most respects. He said to please him in all respects. What else? To bear fruit in every good work. What fruit? The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace in yourself. Patience, kindness, goodness toward others. Gentleness, self-control, kindness in your relationship with God. Do you? Do you bear fruit like that? And especially in the matter of yourself. Are you easy on yourself? Love, joy, peace in yourself? Are you easy on yourself or do you beat yourself up? Every time you make a mistake, you're talking about how stupid you are. I can't believe I did that. Why? Why can't you believe it? We're not, we don't do that. 
and to increase in the knowledge of God the Father. Do you? Is this the only two hours a week that you even think about God? Or are you thinking about Him every day? Are you praying every day? Is God part of your life? Is He part of your 168 hours a week of which you sleep 56, which means you have 112 waking hours a week? Do you set aside special time just for Him? Or are you too busy running around in your meaningless lifestyle to set aside time for him. Because I'll tell you, the time that I set aside for him is the best time I spend, even if it's 10 minutes. Because it's 10 minutes of absolute crystal clarity with God sending thoughts about what I ought to be doing to have an amazing life and to get out of the hurricane band life where you're, N-E-M, N-E-M. You knew that was coming back, didn't you? <laughs> Does this stuff so far in these two verses describe your life? Walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, pleasing Him in all respects, bearing fruit, increasing in the knowledge of God. Is that what you're up to? A life of purpose? Every time I ask somebody what their purpose in life is, they cough up a furball. Who are you? What's your purpose in life? Where did you come from? Where are you going? How will you get there? You ask those people those five questions, they're ready to die. They can't answer them. And none of those books you're reading are answering them either. Because... People always avoid the tough questions. Those are the questions you really got to have the answer to. Colossians chapter 1, verse 11. Being strengthened by God the Father with the divine power, the enabling power of God the Holy Spirit, your mentor and teacher if you're a believer in Christ, which is a power that is absolute and total and complete. A power that is so much wonderful as to be almost unimaginable. You can't imagine the power that you have through God the Holy Spirit. I have a friend whose wife has stage 4 cancer. And she had a PET scan, and what showed up, it was in remission for a while. You know, she went through the stages. And when she got to stage 4, it was in remission for a while. And then she she didn't feel right, so she goes to the hospital. And this is about three months ago. She had a PET scan and found cancer spots reappearing on her liver, on her kidneys, and on her lungs. And my buddy was just distraught, because he, he would be completely lost without her. She's an amazing woman. Many things make her that, but she can play golf, amen? <laughs> she can play golf. Women who can play golf are ballers. So anyway, um, it's three months later. She had a PET scan. What happened between the first PET scan and the second PET scan? Prayers. And by the way, I mentioned her a long time ago. You don't even remember. But right after that situation, I, re- I mentioned her in prayer, and you guys prayed for her with me. No spot on her lung. No spot on her kidneys. No spot on her liver. How about that for a big amen? Oh, okay. I, I get it, Pastor, and that's, you know, that's really clappable, but that was the medical community. No, it wasn't. 
No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. That was the Almighty God showing off like He always does every time we pray. And anything you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. Yeah. And then we, we pray, okay, this is what we want, God, but not our will, but your will be done because you have all the facts. According to the Holy Spirit's glorious might, which is divine omnipotence, God powers this lifestyle that's being mentioned in this passage so that, there's a, those two words again, here's the purpose, so that you might have the greatest possible endurance, which you'll need in the Christian way of living, and the greatest possible patience, which you'll need in the Christian way of living. Colossians 1.12, giving thanks with joy to God the Father, who has qualified us believers in Christ to have a share, our own personal portion of the inheritance of the saints. And who are saints? God's holy ones, the people who went from being sinner to believing in Christ, to being saints. So that you might have your own personal portion of the inheritance of the saints, God's holy ones, who are in union with the light, Jesus Christ, our amazing Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. See, the great thing about this Christian way of living Paul is describing is that God gives us this life. And he leaves none of the things Paul is asking and praying for up to us. See, so I asked you, what I asked you earlier was a little trick bag. Are you living this life? No, you're not living this life. But you have been given this life. And who's responsible for making sure that you live that life? God the Holy Spirit with his divine power. And he has never failed with any of us knuckleheads. Amen? Amen. Now, what are the components of the lifestyle? that God wants us to have. And what are the things God gives freely to us? God fills us with the knowledge of his will. That's the way to start. If you don't know God's will, you can't fulfill God's will. So that's the first thing. you got to come. Well, I don't have to go to church. You don't. But where are you going to find out what God's will is? You don't have to go to church. But where are you going to learn it? You ain't going to learn it in books written by human beings who are trying to lure you into some goofy lifestyle. You need to know what the sovereign, single God of the universe wills. What does he want for you? What does he want for your life? And I'll tell you what it is. It's exceeding and abundantly beyond anything you could ever ask or think. You can't even imagine it because you live in your little box. You created this little bitty tiny box. And you like running around in it like a little hamster, like a little rodent. That's not God's view of you. If you can't get behind his eyes and see yourself, you'll be missing it. You have no idea how good you can be or how amazing you can be or what you can do. You have no idea. God gives us all spiritual understanding. God allows experiences. So we develop spiritual wisdom, including getting your ass kicked on a regular basis, by people who pretend to be your friends for years and then show themselves as they really are. God manufactures a lifestyle pleasing to the Lord in all respects for you. God allows us to bear fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, 
for every good work so that people can see that you're doing something different. Not something that you conjured up, but something that he gave you to do, which is supernatural and amazing. God increases our knowledge of the Lord. He tells us about himself if we're listening. He shows us how to use his power, divine omnipotence. It is the same power that resurrected Christ from the dead. He gives us a steadfastness where we can stand in the face of the hurricane and not be blown over. He gives us endurance so that we can run the race that is set before us as we run through the gauntlet in this world and get the crap beat out of us as we go through the gauntlet. We can take it and we can laugh at it. He produces patience in us rather than what our quote-unquote friends have, which is complete intolerance for us. He gives us, he asks us to give thanks in everything. He guarantees an inheritance because we are heirs of promise. And he allows our enemies to hurt us so that it can inspire us. Amen? Amen. When I get hurt, I get inspired. It does not pull me down. It inspires me. It lifts me up because I've been used to it for my entire 66-year life. I love it. Bring it. Our human parents sell a lifestyle to us. Here's God selling us a lifestyle, but our human parents sell us a lifestyle too. Well, for my mom, the life she proposed had three main elements. And I want you thinking about what, what was the lifestyle your parents were selling to you. But my my mom sold three main elements. Be determined. And so I adopted the song by Matthew Wilder. Ain't nothing going to break my stride. Nobody's going to slow me down. Uh Uh-oh, I got to keep on moving up. Can you sing that sometime? I'd like to have that song. Be determined. My mom was the most determined person I've ever met. She had a determination in her eyes. When she had a stroke in 1988... I was 50 miles from where she was in the hospital. And I drove to that hospital at about 120 miles an hour. And all I wanted to see was one thing. I wanted to look in her eyes. And when I looked in her eyes, I saw the exact thing I was looking for. Determination. And I started hearing that song in my head. Because that's what she was saying. And she poured that into me. Treat people well. She gave me Dale Carnegie's book, How to Win Friends and Influence People, and she made me read it every month for a year. I read the book 12 times in a year. And she said, adopt that lifestyle. Treat people well. That was the worst advice I ever got. Because it taught me to be two-sided instead of one-sided. See? Because it's easier to be one-sided. You just see everybody else's flaws and you don't see any of your own. But when you're two-sided, others are more important than you. Oh, that's in the Bible, too. Ooh, how about that? My mom was teaching me the Bible through uh, another means. And then she harped on, get an education. And I did. And what the education resulted in is a series of worldly beatings. Because I was always elevating to a place where I didn't belong. St. Ignatius High School, I didn't belong in St. Ignatius High School. I wasn't good enough to be in St. Ignatius High School. 
It took me two years to get my balance. And then on to Northwestern. I wasn't good enough to go to Northwestern. And it took me two years to get my balance. Then I went to Southern Illinois University. I definitely deserved to be there. (laughs) It was a party school. But it happened to have an amazing radio TV department. Okay, so those are the three things my mom recommended. What did your parents recommend to you? What kind of lifestyle did your parents recommend? Uh, and, And how did it work out? I asked a friend recently what lifestyle his parents were selling. He said the lifestyle of you can't, you won't, you shouldn't. (laughs) a lifestyle of fear. Yeah, wow. And that's not, there are a lot of parents selling that lifestyle. So what three words describe the lifestyle your parents were selling? If I could say it to my mom without hurting her feelings, I'd say, sorry, mom, your human wisdom was not quite good enough. Because it isn't. Our parents aren't good enough. Our parents are imperfect. If God thought you needed perfect parents, he'd have given them to you. He didn't give you perfect parents. He gave you knuckleheads, and you get to decide if you want to follow what they said or do something on your own. Create a new lifestyle, the lifestyle that God wants to give you. It's available to all of us. Now, why wasn't her wisdom good enough? Romans chapter 7, verse 21. I, Paul, find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good. I find that the principle, the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wants to do good, that evil is pre- that is present in all of us. Now, Satan says, no, people are basically good. No, they aren't. All people have the flesh. We are not basically good. We have a part of us that absolutely hates everything. It's called the flesh. The flesh in me can ruin any goodness our parents intended. What's up with that, God? Well, at the moment of salvation, God could have removed the flesh from us, but he didn't. And he describes why in 2 Corinthians 12. He says, my grace is good enough for you. This part of us, the flesh resident in the body, is antagonistic to God, and it hates you. That's the part of you that's always telling you how bad you are. You know it. Every single day, it is telling you something about you that it hates you. You should hate yourself. And you believe it. You listen to it. You believe it. It wants to ruin everything God and our parents wants to do through us. To make a long story short, we can't do anything without God's power. He says so in John chapter 15, verse 5. He says, I, the Lord Jesus Christ, am the vine. And you, believers in Christ, are the branches. The winos are happy right now. Amen, brother. Talk about the wine. He who abides in me and I in him, I indwelling him, bears much fruit. It's talking about a believer in Christ. We are, we abide in him and he indwells us. That's the person who bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Unbelievers, apart from him, you can do nothing. I know some unbelievers who who have done stuff that they think is amazing and significant. Jerry Reinsdorf, Northwestern grad, owns the Chicago Bulls, owns the Chicago Blackhawks. Six world championships with the Chicago Bulls, one world championship with the Chicago White Sox, seven rings. All right? What is that going to do for him 
if he rejects a relationship with Christ and ends up in the lake of fire? Nothing. Nada. It'll just be one of those people that the Bible is describing at the great white throne judgment. I saw people gathered around the throne, the great and the small, famous people and not so famous people. But see, we get all enamored with everything that's going on here in the world and we forget that this is a spiritual fight that we're in. And it's not about all this stuff that we have. Or we did. You know, I, when I was in Germany waiting to get an operation, all I had was my bed, a green wall, a cross hanging on the wall with a crucifix, it was a crucifix, and a clock. My bank accounts didn't matter at all. They don't matter. My nice house didn't matter. My car didn't matter. Those things, they're all going to stay here. They don't matter. But what's not going to stay here? Everything that I put in my soul that is the word of God. This stuff is going going with me. It's not staying here. Apart from God, we can do nothing. Well, are you constructing the nothing life? God gives us all we need for every. Even when we were his enemy, he gave us that. God equips us with the all and the everything we need to live this life he wants us to live. And he doesn't expect us to work to please him because he's going to do the work for us. He doesn't want us to use our own power in this life. When we construct a do-it-yourself lifestyle, when we operate in our lives according to the guidance of the flesh, that part of us, God left in us at the moment of salvation that hates us, that hates God, and is out to destroy us, we reject all these gifts from God in favor of a life that we think we are choosing, but is actually a counterfeit lifestyle inspired by Satan and the kingdom of darkness. And unfortunately, there are many Christians who adopt this lifestyle even after God has made them a new creation. They go back and wallow in the vomit of the old man and the vomit of the old life. They don't believe a single thing that the Bible is saying. They don't pay attention to one thing in it, and all they see is the flaws in other people. And what they don't realize is that other people see the flaws in them as well. But here's the thing. When I see the flaws in you, the flaws that you have told me about, I don't care what your flaws are. I just like you, period. I don't need you to be perfect for me. As a matter of fact, the more screwed up you are, the more I like you. Amen, June? I was just looking at you, and I wasn't talking about you per se. Well, it's true, because he loves my ass. (laughs) But that's the thing I don't understand about people. I don't understand why they hold people to a standard that they can't live up to. And I don't understand why they don't think that other people are looking back at them. You know, one of my friends was telling me recently, he said, you know, honest to God, I've known you for 40 years, and it never dawned on me how hard your life was. Like, what do you mean? Because I don't think of my life as hard. He said... Every day, you had to get from 37th and Michigan in Chicago to Racine and Roosevelt alive 
you had to go through some neighborhoods that are appalling. He said, I hear all this stuff on TV about the south side of Chicago. That stuff was going on when you were growing up. I said, yeah, it was, only worse. Because there was no internet to talk about it on. There was no cell phone to call mom or to call the police or to take a picture or a video of somebody beating the hell out of you. No. He said, you did that for four years. He said, that's over a thousand days of abject terror. And he said, you know what you had to do to survive? I said, yeah, I know what I had to do to survive. You know what I had to do to survive? He said, yeah, you had to be watching everything all the time. You had to assume the worst in every situation. You would see an alley, and you would assume that there were five dangers in there that were out to get you, and you had to cross over to the other side of the street to give you more of a running start in case there was something that came out of that alley to get you. You had to be on the alert all the time. He said, do you think any of your clients know that when they're lying to you that you are looking at their lie from about 50 different perspectives? I said, no, they don't know. They don't know. A client of mine told me a lie about two weeks ago. And I already wrote down and put in a sealed envelope exactly what's going to happen. And what's going to happen probably won't happen until the end of next year. And I pull out the envelope and look and see if I was right. I know I'm right. Because I assess all of the signs. All the time. I wish I didn't have that. Because it's no longer... I mean, I really don't need it anymore. There's nothing dangerous about my life. I'm white now. <laughs> no, I, I am. You, you think I'm kidding. I'm serious. I can, I can actually go to sleep with my door unlocked. I'm white. <laughs> yeah, this, to y'all, this is... Oh, my God, he couldn't do this when he was a kid? Man, we had three locks and burglar latches, and then nails in the window so nobody could get in our house. Our house, Fort Knox, they could have called my mom as a consultant. (laughs) Yeah. So when people come to me and they tell me their stories and they think they're manufacturing this amazing story with all this bullshit, They don't know that I'm seeing 60 inconsistencies in the story. You don't believe me? Ask ask my son. He tries to lie to me all all the time. It's a complete waste of time. It's a complete waste of time. You know, I just told him, why don't you just be honest? Don't waste your time. But he doesn't understand that because he didn't grow up in that life. So... You could tell your kids all you want to about this. I just told all of you. You can tell people this all the time. They don't understand it. If you didn't live it, you don't understand what it's like to always be looking at everything all the time. To go into an environment and to notice everything that's going on in the the environment and to have instant recall of it when you walk out of the environment. To read body language. To see double messages. It's disgusting. 
I'd much rather be oblivious. But I'm not. Not oblivious. Well, when we return from the break, we'll take the offering and then we'll see what lessons this passage has to teach us. Take a five-minute break. Why you ever chose me has always been a mystery. All my life I've been told I belong at the end of the line. Will all the other not quite? Will all the never get it right? But it turns out they're the ones you were looking for all this time. Cause I'm just a nobody. We're trying to tell everybody. All about somebody who saved my soul Ever since you rescued me You gave my heart a song to sing I'm living for the world to see Nobody but Jesus I'm living for the world to see Nobody but Jesus Moses had stage fright And David brought a rock to a sword fight you picked 12 outsiders nobody would have chosen And you changed the world Well, the moral of the story is Everybody's got a purpose So when I hear that devil start talking to me Saying, who do you think you are? I say, I'm, I'm just a nobody Trying to tell everybody All about somebody Who saved my soul For the world to see Nobody but Jesus I'm living for the world to see Nobody but Jesus So let me go down, down, down In history As another blood-bought Faithful member of the family And if they all forget my name Living for the world to see nobody but Jesus. So let me go down, down, down in history. As another blood bought, faithful member of the family. That's all I ever wanna be. And if they all forget my name, well that's fine with me. Living for the world to see nobody but Jesus. Nobody, nobody. I'm trying to tell everybody. 
Welcome back. Today's Bible lesson, be grateful for all of God's gifts. As you give today, let your attitude reflect the Lord's attitude as communicated in Acts chapter 20, verse 35. He says, remember the words of the Lord Jesus Christ who himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. In the coming year, we're going to need your generosity more than we ever have. Your giving is always admired and blessed by our generous God. Let's welcome up Deacon Denny Goodall with one of his always insightful and always powerful and always inspiring offering messages. Check one, check two. Good morning. My name is Denny Goodall, and I'm grateful to be a deacon for Barah Ministries. Barah Ministries is a worldwide Christian church. This is a place for real people who want to just listen to a real pastor teach the real truth in the Word of God. And, you know, pastors pastor's gone through a lot, and I think the whole congregation has gone through a lot. We've seen him go through it, and I've been through it, and I've seen a lot of hurts, a lot of people come and go. And at the end of the day, it's caused me to think about it that, you know, I just wish people were honest. Pastor just mentioned it. Just be honest, you know. And really, honesty is only one way. It's looking through God's eyes. <clears throat> and that's the only way to look at situations. You know, if you look at God, he's perfect. So how can we be perfect, right? We can be perfect just by accepting Christ. It's really not about perfection in us. It's not us being perfect. It's God, his perfection in us. So, you know, it's not really about being perfect in this world. It's about being different than the world by accepting Christ. It's about people. It's about actually caring about people like God does. You know, and if you look at others, you look at others through God's eyes, you might see, like Pastor said, you'll see their flaws. But if you look honestly, you've got flaws too. And you might look at people and see their perfections and see the Facebook posts and Instagram and think, oh, their life is perfect. I can never live up to that. But you know that's bullshit, too. If you're honest, you know it's not true. And I think the biggest person or the biggest thing to be honest with is yourself. Look at self through God's eyes. See, we are perfect when we believe in Christ. We we are in Christ. That's amazing. We forget about that every day. You know, and it's it's about walking in a manner worthy. You know, and it's, it's backed up by Paul. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, a prison epistle. He's, talking, he's telling Christians how to act from prison. <laughs> Therefore, put, a, put aside falsehoods. Speak truth. Be in touch with reality, each of you, with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. So, I mean, we, none of us is as smart as all of us, but we don't all have that same, that same perspective that Pastor has. He's given me all kinds of perspective on life. It's opened up my eyes. And we each have something to share with each other that can open each other's eyes. But we, we, all, we always, I don't know, I think we get scared, to be honest. We're scared of the actual truth. We're scared of actual success. We're scared that God really will make things happen in our life. We're comfort in our little box. Well, I don't think the box is worth it anymore. <laughs> so, you know, I, I was going to be honest with Pastor today. I, you know, I was one of those callers on 9-11. I was worried. And I did end up giving him lots of money that I would like back. 
So, you know, as, as we approach the offering, it's, it's, a, it's a phase of worship. You know, just be honest with yourself how much you can give. We know. God knows. It doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be a mouth that you know will support this church. And we can keep going on supporting this church, even though Pastor will be in uh, a sabbatical. Donations are still on the church. We can still give because we're still going to have another book. We're going to have another CD from June. And this is just a different phase. It's not over. And my first thought was, I'm going to revisit Romans. What an amazing study. You know, we went through it once. You could go through it ten times. And I'm all for Pastor John as well. I love listening to Pastor John. So you're not leaving us high and dry, people will say. I'm sure people are going to say they caused this. But this is no one person. This is God. This is God allowing things to happen for the better, you know, for us to grow. And so thank you for you know, always being honest, and let's, let's not waste your time. Be honest with yourself, be honest with others, be honest with God, and it'll be worth it. So thank you very much. So we had a little surprise for Pastor, and I just messed it up because I turned my mic off. But I think he'll still enjoy it, um, and it was made with love. Let's see here. And you're going to have to turn up the other, the ones that say pulpit. Drum roll.
Pastor Rory, I just want to say thank you. I appreciate your friendship so much. And you've helped me with my business and guided me through that. But most importantly, I appreciate how much you've impacted my spiritual life. If it wasn't for you going up against systematic theology, I would still be wrapped up in it and wondering why an angry, un ugly God uh, wanted to punish me every day for not being as good as I could be. Your selflessness and the attitude you have towards caring for people is contagious and it's an example to every one of us. I realize that you're under constant persecution and I want to say thank you so much for not giving up. Thank you for your courage, your patience, your wisdom. You have no idea how important you are to all of us. Happy Pastor Appreciation. Bye. Pastor Rory, I just want to say I thank God for you. I appreciate you. The time that I've known you has been great. Uh, the teaching that you've shared with me, the wisdom and knowledge that you always seem to have, the, the freeness in which you're willing to share and give, your love uh, for me and for people, uh, the way I see you express it, it really is just amazing. Uh, again, God bless you. You are heaven sent. I know God has called you to do what you're doing. He has equipped you and anointed you uh, in a way that he has touched a few other people. Your insight on the word, uh, your ability to teach it with simplicity is just, it's, it's amazing. And so, again, I thank God for you. I appreciate all that you've done, and I'm looking forward to being able to receive from you and hopefully I'll be a blessing to you as well uh, for many, many years to come. God bless you, and I thank God for you. Good morning. I say good morning, and it's actually, it's 10.04 p.m. It's been a... Uh, this is the, the end of my workday. It's been quite a day, but I wanted to take a few moments and express my gratitude for my friend and pastor, Pastor Rory Clark. Uh, it is pastor appreciation and this video is, is uh, as, as I understand it, part of a collage of videos that of people that are expressing their appreciation for him. So uh, my, my appreciation for Pastor Clark started nine yeah nine years ago uh, i when i heard him say that i did not have to like him i only had to like what he was teaching because what he was teaching was the word of god delivered through him by the holy spirit and uh it was that moment that um that i i don't know what it was but that moment i i developed an appreciation for for what he had to say um and my, of course, our friendship has, has blossomed since then. I haven't seen him in quite some time, and I don't care for that so much. Uh, but, you know, the uh, there are plans in the future to get together. 
hopefully, because he's fantastic. <laughs> and I enjoy hanging out with him. Uh, and, and seeing, of course, seeing the extended family in Barah Ministries. Uh, Rory has been a good friend to me. He's, he's, uh, um, he's a wealth of advice, and he's also a good listener when advice is given, which I can appreciate. But um, there's, there's, uh, there's so much to say, and I only have a couple of minutes. Um, he knows a good laugh, or he likes to laugh, and he thinks I'm pretty funny, so that's pretty great, too. But the, um, I wanted to thank you. Thank you for everything that you do, all the, uh, all the teachings that you deliver for our lessons and your lesson. Um, the, the time you put in into each lesson each week, the countless hours of study and the countless hours of teaching and the frustrations that you have to deal with and as pastors, you know, as pastors do. And uh, just the, just just knowing that you're there and continuing to support us and drive us and deliver us and, and carry us through, it's, 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 it's heartwarming. And uh, you're a good friend for that and a great pastor for that. Uh, I just, I can't imagine what church would be like without you leading us. So thank you very much, my friend. Hi, Rory. It's Happy Pastor Appreciation Week, and I want you to know that I certainly do appreciate you. I've enjoyed all of the messages that you've delivered since I've been there. And it gives me a lot to think about every single time I leave and I think about your messages for the week. I hope that you feel the love that most of your congregation feels for you, if not all of us do. I hope you feel respected for your view and for all of the education you've put in so that you can teach us and guide us through all of the word. And it has been the word instead of just other messages, which is pretty awesome for me. Anyway, I've also appreciated your friendship. I appreciate your snarkiness. I appreciate your smile and just the whole ball of wax that you are. You have a really wonderful week and I'll look forward to seeing you this weekend. Hi Rory, it's Monica. Just wanted to uh, take a minute to give you some uh, thoughts about how John and I feel about you. It's a little bit hard to do this on a video because we'd much rather do it in person, but we wanted you to know that we think of you as a friend. Um, as a friend, you're always there for us. You're always very giving and you always come through. You're always available for us, no matter what time of the day or night. And we just want you to know how much we appreciate that. You're very generous with your time, your talent and your treasure and that does not go unnoticed. You are our pastor. You teach us that everything in life happens in God's will and that we all learn from all of the steps along the way. You are very approachable and you bring real life experience and we absolutely love you. Thanks, and we'll see you soon. Hello, Rory. Just a few additional comments to what Monica had said, and I echo her sentiments exactly. You are not only our pastor and our friend, but I value you as a mentor. 
the advice that you give me from a positive viewpoint is always welcome. You give me encouragement while appreciating my uniqueness. These are traits that you don't find in every man. Hello, Rory. This is a time that we pause once a year, probably should be more than that, to pour out a concentrated dose of appreciation on you. And I thought about the word appreciate. And I said, okay, Denise, what does that mean? And looked it up in the dictionary, actually. So I get a, a fresh sense of what it means. And what it means is to understand the value of someone to appreciate them. And another word for value that I thought, thought was precious. Ray Clark, you are precious. Don't ever forget that. Do you remember this? Well, I remember it when God sent you to 501 Pearl Drive in O'Fallon, Missouri. Something that resembled that, it was a paper version of it, was on my desk and and you got this little quirky look and you tilted your head, you had hair then, okay? And you said, what do you know about that guy? And of course, you, you as you had put it, I gave my little chipmunk smile and I said, I love him. Well, that was the beginning of a journey of learning aspects of Rory Clark that I appreciate most. Appreciate all of you. Your love for our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is the difference in your life. Know that. He is the difference. He doesn't make the difference. He is the difference in your life. I appreciate the challenges that you have gone through and I'm gonna say it, <laughs> as a black man. You're articulate, you're educated, you're focused, and you're passionate. You are one that's powered through God, the Holy Spirit, and you don't make any apologies for it. And I appreciate that because you know how to go boldly before the throne and, and not allow somebody to push you back because you know who you are in Christ and you know that that's going to happen. You are one that's powered through God the Holy Spirit to care about and nurture others. Who really, and that's you, don't really count the cost of what it means to nurture, nurture others. And that cost comes emotionally, mentally, financially. You don't count that cost. And that's also a characteristic of Christ. You have demonstrated the heart of God for all people, race, color, creed, gender. Your passion is electrifying and, and contagious. Courageous too. A passion that has fueled, that has fueled your thirst for Christ and your never give up meter. I know you probably call it a different meter, but I'm calling it the never give up meter because your foundation is Christ. Your rock is Christ. He's your refuge. He's your God. He's your Lord. I can go on and on, but I'll pause here 
with a scripture that is relevant just as much today as it was uh, 13 years ago when you were awaiting decision from MEMC on whether or not focus selling was going to continue. Go on. Romans 3 and 8. I know your deeds. Behold, I have put before you an open door that no one can shut because you have little power and have followed my words and have not denied my name and you have not denied his name. He knows you. He loves you unconditionally and have set an open door before you that no one can shut. You can't even shut it. Lord, we thank you for who you are and who you are allowing God to make you into being. We love you now. We love you in the future. We appreciate you now and in the future. I pray for the continued overflow of his thoughts and his mind in your life. You are precious, you are appreciated, and you are loved. And thank you for pulling me out of the cesspool of religion. Beep, beep. even by Christians people we get hurt deeply and easily by people often people we love we always say to one another nothing will shock me anymore <laughs> but we continue to get shocked anyway he's gracious he's forgiving he gives without expecting anything in return he doesn't keep score he doesn't keep track I trust him implicitly. I can talk to him about anything. He is discreet. He keeps confidences. I never worry that anything I've said in confidence will ever get back to me. He doesn't judge me or make light of things that seem heavy to me at the time. And as the scripture says, he does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. He bears all things. He believes all things, hopes all things endures all things he loves me and i love him and that's why he's the best friend this guy could ever have
I mean, I wanted to wait to do this video because I really wanted to, um, I really wanted to hear what you had to say, um, at the, at the gathering last night. And the first thing that I want to tell you is that I'm really proud of you for, um, doing, making this decision. And I'm really proud of you for, uh, finally coming out with, you know, a plan of action to heal your scars. And, uh, you know, I can't change the past. And, you know, if I, if I could, you know, if I could expunge my part in those scars that you've accumulated over the years, I definitely would. Um, the only thing that I have left for me is to just show you, you know, to show you, um, that, that I can do this life and I can do this God's way, you know. And as a first member of Barab Ministries, the first official member, I, I honestly thank you from the bottom of my heart for taking care of my spiritual life, from for caring about my spiritual life, for caring about where I spend eternity because I don't, I really don't know if I would be a believer if I didn't have you in my life. And, uh, you know, only God really knows that. But I am going to heaven because you showed me the word. And that's the greatest gift a father could give his son. And it's definitely a gift that I hope to pass on to my, that I know I'm going to pass on to my children. And you never took our spiritual lives for granted. And you never took anybody else that came into contact with you, their spiritual lives for granted. And you're an amazing person for that. And you're amazing because of who and what Jesus Christ is. And he has given you a series of opportunities and you took them. And I love you, man. And it's crazy because, you, you know, there's so much that you can say, but you got to condense it down to this, this limited video. But, you know, I don't think I've said anything to you that you haven't heard before. And, you know, before I feel like I was just trying to jerk a tear out of you. But now it's just from the bottom of my heart, thank you. You know, I have so much gratitude for you. And I think the way that I can show my gratitude in, in, in an action um, is to just be the best person I can be. Be the best version of me that I can be. And I know that I'm capable of it. And you've been setting the example for years. So I love you. Thank you. Happy Prester Appreciation. Faggot. Oh, it is on. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, I'm going to sing a song, and it's just a type of song that I know you like, but I want you to know that even though that story you keep telling about you yelling and screaming at me, 
<laughs> and somebody came because you thought you were actually killing somebody. I don't really remember it that way. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's like, you know, you've, you've caused my spiritual life to be something of great worth because of what you've taught me. And it's not that you've been perfect. It's that you've taught me to accept your imperfections and you've taught yourself how to accept mine because you don't care that I'm a cup of a saucer short of a full set. And nobody here does, does either. And I just want to say from the bottom of my heart, I appreciate you and my life would be a lot different if it were not for you and what you teach. And even the jokes that you make about me. I don't care because some of them are funny and some are not. But you know the ones that aren't funny. <laughs> and every, if anybody else laughs with you, they don't think it's really funny either. But anyway, I just, from the, from the new CD that whenever it comes out, I just want you to know. Sorry, sometimes I loosen me. But <laughs> I just want you. song because of what you've taught me that I could write and I know you like it. Anyway, you can play that song. Anyway. It's called Believe. You have believed in Christ for salvation by grace and faith alone. Believe that
Welcome back. Today's Bible lesson, be grateful for gifts. Be grateful for all of God's gifts. Well, thank you very much for the video and for the song, June, for the appreciation. I really I love it. And one of these days, I'm going to be able to cry again. When, huh? I did it for you. Yeah, you guys have been doing it for me for a while. But, you know, all of the crap will be peeled off, and I'll actually feel my emotions again, which is one of the things I'm looking forward to in the sabbatical that's coming up because you just get so steeled to everything that it's just a horrible experience. And I know that there's something in me that wants to come out, but it hasn't come out yet, and I hope it does soon. All right, so be grateful for all of God's gifts. Well, those of you who are in the non-resident congregation always seem to know when something's going on here in Barah Ministries. But I seldom mention what's going on directly, which is out of character for me. And I seldom name names. The Apostle Paul had no trouble naming names or citing problems. In fact, 1 Corinthians, which we have studied recently, is all about ministry problems in the first century Corinthian church. And you remember all of them. There was a guy sleeping with his mother-in-law. And there were people, uh, mature believers, eating idol food. And there was the triclinium believers who sat in a special place in the sanctuary and out in the atrium were all the riffraff. You know, all of those things are very real in the First Corinthian church. Paul pointed them out. And a lot of those things are very real in our church as well. We have these problems, the same problems. The Second Corinthians is the same thing, which is why we went to Colossians, because I needed a break from all that. Well, I've heard several of you mention that you know something is going on in Barah Ministries right now, but you don't know what it is. Uh, that is the non-resident people. You just know that I seem agitated and tired and irritated and angry and disgusted and inclined to quit, but you don't know what's causing the angst. Well, I think you do know the cause. Here's the source. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9 say this, Be of sober spirit. That means live a lifestyle of self-control. Be on the alert. Because your adversary, the enemy, the devil, the slanderer, libeler, defamation of character person, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. That is, he's always looking for opportunities for vicious and devastating attacks. 1 Peter 5, 9, but resist him, firm in your faith, meaning depending on the Lord's power only knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being experienced by your brethren, other believers in Christ, who are in the world. What I'm going through is nothing different than what you go through all the time. Mine may be more severe, and it's certainly more public. I have to stand in front of you and expose my flaws. You see everything. But you're going through the same things. You know what's going on in Barah Ministries because... You are or you're about to experience the same thing in your own lives. Here at Barah Ministries, three people whom I consider friends first, people whom I have considered close friends for years, have left the congregation. I'll spare you the details, but I will tell you this. It hurt me, and it hurt me badly. It's personal. And it may have been surprising to me, but God was not caught off guard by this at all. In fact, he prepared me for it through the word of God by letting me know that Satan, the enemy of God, is an expert 
at using believers in Christ against each other. We learned that in 1 Corinthians as well. For most of my life, people have treated me like a thing. I'm the black guy. I'm the Mr. Too. You're too intense. You're too passionate. You're too smart. You're too focused. You're too, too, too. People have treated me like a thing and like an object rather than like a person. Of course, if I mention that I have feelings from the pulpit, if I mention that I'm hurt from the pulpit, the people who have hurt me will assure you that I'm playing the victim. There are three roles you can play in this life in any situation. You can be the role of the hero, you can be the role of the villain, or you can be the role of the victim. I assure you, there are two things I am not and will never be willing to be. I am not a villain and I am not a victim. And it doesn't make me a villain or a victim if I choose to defend myself when I'm under attack. And in fact, I'm always surprised why people are surprised that when they attack me, I attack back. I don't get it why they don't see that coming. And I'll usually give them warnings, which they don't deserve. But I don't, I don't get it why they don't get that you can't just uh, tug on Superman's cape and spit into the wind and there's no repercussions. There are. That was the song. So, it doesn't make me a villain or a victim if I choose to defend myself when I'm, when I'm under attack, and it doesn't make you one either. We are not villains or victims. If we give to others and wonder why they choose to abandon us or point out our flaws, and while simultaneously ignoring our gift to the, gifts to them, which includes overlooking their flaws. There are people in this life who think that their flaws don't hurt or affect anyone else. And these people, in my, in my mind, are emotionally ignorant. They have no emotional intelligence whatsoever. In the 22 years of using my spiritual gift to pastor-teacher, I accumulated many scars. And unless you are a pastor-teacher yourself, you can't imagine, even when I tell you, the depth of and the absurdity of the hurts and the pain they inflict. Why? Because you're not me. You can't know how I feel even when I tell you but you can definitely know how you feel because you've had the same things happen to you. Betrayal is emotionally devastating. I don't believe you heard me, so I'm going to say it again. Betrayal is emotionally devastating. If you don't know what that word devastating means, look it up in the dictionary. Devastating. It is a Category 5 hurricane force trauma. I've had hundreds of those. The only ones who know how these hurts feel to me are God and me. You have your own hurts to deal with. They are equally painful. Just know this. God does not want this kind of life for you. God is always kind enough to expose people whose heart is not with you. When we sin, God dismisses it. People don't dismiss it. They never let you forget it. What they are good at, forgetting is their own flaws. We don't get to be ourselves with people like these. They want phonies for friends. They want human perfection in others when they are not perfect for others. When we experience these hurts, we are lucky. That's why the title of this lesson. Enjoy all of God's gifts, because this is a gift too. When we experience these hurts, we are lucky. These hurts accumulate as if they, they are in a bowl. You remember the bowl I told you about earlier? And we have a cup. 
and God fills our cup with his divine power through the word of God so that we can put out the fire in the bowl. So people who aren't coming to the word of God, they have an empty cup. They keep dumping the cup and dumping the cup and dumping the cup and it never puts out the fire in their bowl. When we go through these hurts, we ask ourselves three questions. Does God know the situation? Is God powerful enough to handle the situation? Has God included in his plan for our life an answer to the, to the situation? Yes, yes, and yes. Those are the answers to the three questions. Yes, yes, and yes. In addition, God has surrounded us with friends who are faithful. Friends who understand who they are and who they are not. Friends who understand who you are and who you are not. Friends who like both sides of you. So when we experience attacks and adversity sponsored by the kingdom of darkness, we fix our eyes on the Lord and we notice the people the Lord has surrounded us with to help us weather the storms. The group may be small, but they are powerful. I, for one, am grateful for the job of pastor-teacher. I am grateful for the hurts, and I appreciate those of you who prove yourselves to be true friends, the people here, the people who listen on the Internet, who are true friends. You make life worth living. You make life worth living. I will never give up. I will never get down. I will keep putting one foot in front of the other, no matter how deep the hurt. I will never stop teaching the Word of God. And just like other members of the body experience the same things all throughout the world, including those members of the family, those members of the unity who inflict the hurts of the moment, there will be more, they will be worse, but I will press on in the face of this adversity. I choose to live a new creation life in Christ. I choose to die to the self-life. I choose to enjoy this journey God has me on because I know that the lifestyle Paul is praying for in Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 to 12 is possible. How? This lifestyle is possible because it is powered by divine omnipotence. In fact, this lifestyle isn't just possible, it's inevitable. And I look forward to the next steps in the journey. And I look forward to the next steps in the journey with you. Do you? Good. We got a lot, we got miles to go before we sleep. Well, the closing moments of our lesson today are for anyone who is here without a relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We want you to know that God wants you. And what he wants for you is that you make the most important decision of your life. The sovereign God of the universe, the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, wants you in heaven, living with him for all eternity when you close your eyes in this life. The Lord says there are only two possible destinations for your eternal future. Either heaven, the small gate and the narrow way, or the lake of fire, the wide gate and the broad way, described in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. It says, Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through the wide gate. Matthew seven fourteen: The gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to the resurrection life, 
and there are few who find the small gate. Those who are on the broad road that leads to destruction may think there is strength in numbers, yet it is not true. Believing whatever one else believes does not save you. Placing your confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ saves you. The Lord Jesus Christ is the author of your salvation. He is 100% God. That's why we call him the Lord. He is 100% man, true humanity just like you and me. That's why we call him by his name, Jesus. And he is the Jewish Messiah. That's why we call him the Christ. Jesus says he is the small gate. Jesus says he is the only way to get to heaven. John chapter 14, verse 6 says this, Jesus said to the doubting apostle Thomas, I am the way to salvation. I am the truth through the word of God, and I am the resurrection life, eternal life. And no one comes to God the Father in heaven, but through believing in me. The Lord's plan to get you to heaven is detailed in Acts chapter 16, verse 31. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and everyone in your household who also believes. <coughs> Those on the broad way that leads to destruction place their confidence in Satan's plan for them. God's enemy is a liar who sponsors false teachers. The Lord Jesus Christ warns you about them in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. Beware of the false prophets, false teachers who come to you in sheep's clothing, appearing harmless, who inwardly are ravenous wolves out to destroy your eternal future. As ravenous wolves, false teachers threaten your chance for an eternity in heaven by deceiving you with a false gospel message and a counterfeit lifestyle. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12 illuminates the issue. There is a way that seems right to a man, and that way is saving yourself by thinking your good deeds will earn your salvation. But its end is the way of death, the second death in the lake of fire. Get yourself on the narrow way that leads to eternal life in heaven right this minute, right where you sit. Tell God the Father that you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ for your salvation in thought only, and that is the moment of eternal life for you. Which road will you choose for your eternal life? Don't wait until it's too late to consider what road you're on. Mark chapter 1 verse 15 says this, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand, so repent. Change your mind about having a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in his gospel message. So heed the warning. In John chapter 3, verse 36, He who believes in the Son has the resurrection life right at that moment. But he who does not obey the command to believe in the Son will not see the resurrection life. Instead, the wrath of God, the lake of fire, abides on him. Another warning for those who choose the broad way is offered in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 to 23, which says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven by obeying the gospel message will enter heaven. Matthew 7, 22. Many will say to me on that day of judgment, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? And in your name did we not cast out demons? And in your name didn't we not perform many miracles? Matthew 7, 23. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, 
you who practiced a lifestyle of lawlessness. Who is this God who offers to save you? The Apostle Paul describes the Lord Jesus Christ in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4. He says, I, Paul, deliver to you as of primary importance the gospel message, the good news I also received from God, that it was Jesus Christ who died for our sins according to the Old Testament scripture, and that he was buried, and that he was raised from the dead on the third day according to the Old Testament scripture. The Lord Jesus Christ has a true gospel message. It is the will of God the Father that you believe in his Son and that you have a personal relationship with him. Those who choose the narrow way have decided that faith in the Lord Jesus Christ alone is the only ticket to heaven. If you choose the narrow way, I'll see you in heaven. We close with a song. The Lord always gives his believers what is good for them. And he never gives his believers things that will harm them. Not ever. The beloved physician reminds us in Luke chapter 11, verses 10 and 11. Everyone who asks God the Father in prayer receives. Put that up, Zach. Everyone who asks God the Father in prayer receives. And everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks it will be opened by God. Luke 11, 11. Now which one of you human fathers, when his son asks for a fish, instead of a fish, will give his son a snake? <laughs> I was raising my hand if you couldn't see. <laughs> Luke, I do. Nothing on my sleeve, presto. Luke chapter 11, verse 13. So if you, despite being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more is it true that your Heavenly Father will give gifts through the enabling power of God the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? In song, June Murphy reminds us what she does regularly in her song, I Pray.
That was a long old prayer. <laughs> oh, man. Well, we close with words of praise for our Almighty God, acknowledging the magnificence of Him with whom we have much to do. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 says, Worthy of praise is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us believers in Christ in eternity past with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, a place of permanence through our union with Jesus Christ. God wants us to enjoy His gracious provisions. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 7 and 8, In Jesus we have redemption, deliverance from slavery to sin, through His blood that ultimate payment for sin, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the glorious wealth provided by His grace, which He lavished on us, including as a gift, wisdom, and insight. Ephesians 3.20, Not of the God and Father who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we could ask or imagine, more than is even humanly possible, according to the divine power, omnipotence, that works within us, to him be the glory throughout the church age, through the church age believers in union with Christ Jesus, and to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God and Father, we just thank you for the chance to give the gospel message to unbelievers. And we pray for the unbelievers that are friends of ours, they might join us in heaven. We pray that they understand how important they are to us. We pray that they understand how simple believing in Christ is. We pray that they take advantage of this simple thing as they go through this confusing and often uh, fraught with peril journey that we walk through in this life. And maybe one day they won't even remember that they took a moment to believe in your son, but they'll be in heaven with you for all eternity. And we pray for them in this regard because we value them as human beings. I just thank you so much, Father, for all the gifts that you've given to the members of Barah Ministries. And I pray that as we continue to grow and as we continue to pare down to the, the concentrated group that you had planned in eternity past, that we realize the power that we wield to change things that are going on in the world through prayer and to change things that are going on in individual lives through the gospel message. And I thank you, Father, in grateful appreciation that you've given me this small group of people who loves me and that I can love back. And they are people who live all over the world. But I'm so grateful that your power extends everywhere in the world and is translated into every language. And I thank you for allowing me to do a small part in helping people get to know you, get to know your word, and to be saved once and for all time. And I ask as we go forward this week that you help us to open our spiritual eyes and look for all the opportunities and the divine appointments that you set before us. We ask this through the power of God, the Holy Spirit. In Christ's name, say it with me. Amen. Amen. Thanks for coming, thanks for watching, and thanks for listening. There we go. That's my jam. <laughs>